0: Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Friday, May 6, 2022. I'm John Podhoritz, the editor of Commentary. With me as always, executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Senior writer Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And associate editor Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. Um, so we got, we got a couple of things we want to get to. Uh, Christine, um, you are uh, feeling exercised by... Once again, the the issue is what what the media stress, what what it is that they focus their uh, ire or their attention on. What becomes the prevailing story of the day? What is the and how how in the case of a gigantic matter like uh, the coming apparent overturn of Roe v. Wade, um, uh, what they choose to focus on, and um, something unprecedented seems to be happening in relation to the justices in the supreme court and um it is not being given the kind of relentless attention that you think that it should
1: yeah so i'm all wound up about a couple specific things the first and most important is the fact that the threats against the, the conservative justices uh, are likely to have escalated. I and mean, we don't know any, you know, we have no official release of that. But we do know that uh, pro-abortion activists have been posting the home addresses of some of the conservative justices online. Um, and they uh, non-scalable fencing was put up around the courts and concrete barriers. They've, they've clearly increased the physical security barriers around the court. They don't do that unless there are credible threats to the safety of the people inside the court, so that's pretty unprecedented. That hasn't happened in a while. Um, and it, what's really struck me is the rhetoric on the side of the left, and particularly among uh, people who are very exercised over over the possible overturning of Roe, kind of celebrating this, like, <laughs> just, "So what? Like, oh, oh, they're going to take our rights away. Well, maybe they should feel like you know they're under threat too, because you're they're threatening our our women's bodies and all this stuff." That's really. Awful, because no one. Because it's not just obviously the conservative justices who are at risk. It's also the liberal justices. Everyone working the court. The idea that this institutional branch of government should have to face increased security risk because of that kind of rhetoric is very dangerous. It's all over, um, sort of left Twitter. It's being repeated in a different uh, in a different register by a lot of um, elected Democratic officials. So you have Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer saying things like, "These are not legitimate members. You know, these justices who are appointed by Republicans are not legitimate. Of it. They don't represent democracy. You have columnists for the New York Times and the Washington Post all saying the same, singing the same tune, basically saying, If you were, if you're on the other side of the aisle or nominated by a president from the other side of the political aisle, you are an illegitimate member of this court. That's dangerous. That is really threatening to the institutional integrity of the court. It is one of the last branches of government we have that people still have some faith in. Politicizes something. This idea that they're just pawns of a political party, which is what New York Times columnist Jamel Bowie called them today, is ridiculous. It's also just, just, bad for the overall uh, already polarized tone we have. And I get that this particular issue of abortion has always sparked these kinds of intense feelings, but the threat to the personal safety of the uh, people on the court and their families, that's a, that's too far. And the media doesn't wanna talk about that because they only like to talk about threats in the other direction.
0: Abe, um, you've been saying on our private chat for a couple of weeks that you have this weird feeling that something big and terrible is going to happen. You don't know what it is. I, you know, it's whatever. I mean, people have these things. Well, I, I, you know, this decision is not final and the vote is not final. Assassinating a Supreme Court justice when we have some sense of how this thing is coming down or how it's being voted on uh, in order to interfere with the final judgment. That is not, you know, like some kind of bizarre, melodramatic, pelican brief fantasy now. We have motive, right, which is this, uh, the, the, the constitutional right to abortion is being taken away. We have opportunity because we have addresses being provided uh, on social media to 330 million people, any one of whom, you know, people were motivated to go shoot up the comet, you know, to go to Comet Pizza and shoot it up because of QAnon rumors. Uh, here you could really have a direct effect. People are always doing these wild, you know, pointless, stupid gesture things where they breached a, a fence and, you know, get, get, get themselves shot or get themselves arrested for what reason this is a real thing where you can have a real potentially devastating effect on an actual thing. It's one of the reasons why the leak is not just, you know, institutionally problematic in terms of the good working order of the court. It's dangerous. I mean, Christine in a piece you have that we're going to publish next week uh, in the, in the magazine, you know, you point out that it's not just in terms of the leak, it's not just, you know, like politically controversial decisions. Like there are, financial there are you know there are sort of things involving interstate commerce and stocks and a a lot of the supreme court uh, matters that they take up involve things you've never heard about that affect commercial interests and leaking like this could then lead to insider trading or you know um how people handle these things so Abe, my, my point this, is that this is not just now theoretical. Like there is, this is a violent country. Uh, people are now increasingly comfortable with the idea of doing actual violence
2: to their to their ideological opponents. The way we've seen the pattern of activism evolve over the past few years is that it's an arms race. One side does something previously unthinkable, um, and then the other side responds kind of relatively in kind. Uh, you, you riot in the name of, of uh, George Floyd, and then you riot in the name of Donald Trump. Um, and the, the, all this talk about the illegitimacy of the court now is, it perfectly echoes the excuses made by those on January 6th um, who, who talked about the illegitimacy of our electoral system um, because it failed to return Trump to the White House. Um, when you have that articulation of the end of, the, of your belief in the system, it gives permission to do all manner of destruction
0: Noah, do you think I'm being hysterical? I mean, because I, I, I do want to float the possibility that <coughs> I'm just being melodramatic here. But, you know, they have till the end of June, unless they decide to release whatever they release early, they have till the end of June to change their votes, to do this, to do that, to do the other thing. That's, that's seven weeks of time in which <coughs> we can now presume that they will be safe, right? We can presume they'll be safe. They're now going to be under guard. You know, it's like, okay, uh, but let,
1: let me just add one okay. detail. There's a probe. And then I'll, I'll let Noah talk because, I'm, again, like I said, I'm really wound up about this. This <laughs> apologies to our listeners. But there's a pro-abortion group called Ruth Us. They posted a Google map that pinned the addresses of Barrett, Kavanaugh, Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, and Roberts online. And they tagged it where six Christian fundamentalist justices issue their shadow docket rulings. And they are planning protests outside of these people's private homes for the next few weeks. So I don't, I mean, yes, they'll have police protecting them there, but this is how they're operating. This is what they're doing.
0: So Noah, (laughs) hysterical, like, is this a reasonable thing to worry about in this very specific case, or should we be more concerned about just the general distemper?
3: Well, those two, those two things are not mutually exclusive. Um, General distemper is actually a real problem, but no, I don't think there's any other way to interpret the intention behind this leak beyond the worst case scenario as we've been saying and as I said the best case interpretation most charitable interpretation of the leaker's motives is that they wanted to introduce an element of public opinion to the deliberations the court's deliberations and um, an element of menace um, that would heighten the urgency around uh, one, one decision or another, and we don't know who's, who leaked this, but there's certainly an ideological mo- motive behind it. The worst case scenario is that it was designed to undermine the court's integrity. And that seems to be just fine with members of the uh, left wing press, who would otherwise be appalled by the kind of language that they're deploying in their state of peak. Um, Vox.com's senior correspondent who covers the Supreme Court, Ian Milheiser. Seriously, shout out to whoever the hero was within the Supreme Court who said, fuck it, let's burn this place down. The nation's Ida Chavez, responding to Ali Beth Stuckley, who's a conservative author, who said the following, conservative justices will have their lives and the lives of their families threatened. The person who leaked this knows that, to which Ida, Ida Chavez responded, good. Washington, D.C. correspondent for The Nation. And one that you flagged, John, um, who knows how much relevance or influence she has, but Chelsea Manning, formerly Bradley Manning, a horrible human being without a moral compass, uh, said the following, if you're able to afford it, and if it is safe for you to do so, you should consider arming yourselves, then finding others to train within teams and learn how to defend your community. We may need these skills in the very near future. A lot of these people are just cosplaying, um, posturing for the benefit of a really depraved audience on Twitter, and there's the dynamic on Twitter that rewards hyperbole and extremism, and uh, punishes uh, nuance and um, and moderation. So there's an element of that to this, but it only takes one nut, and we've seen a lot of nuts act out violently uh, in the last uh, couple of years. And we've also seen um, crowd dynamics uh, form around uh, mobs and the reptilian yeah. lizard brain that comes out in those events that turn transform normal, rational people into bloodthirsty animals. And yeah, that's a real concern.
0: I hate to say this, but uh, it's not a nutty action what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the real ability in the hands of people who are deeply convinced that America and their rights and everything are being irreparably damaged. That they can make moves on a couple of people that will change this course. That is, that's not normal. Like, there, this is not something that you can actually say in almost any other case in, I don't know, American political history. We know that the court at one point had a five justice majority to overturn Roe and that this draft opinion was written that fleshed out the reasons that they seem to have agreed in some broad measure were the reasons why Honestly, you we really don't even know Roe. that
3: i'm sorry to interrupt you but this could just be an absolute maximalist document that alito alone crafted right. designed right. to be the, the the most you know the biggest argument they could possibly make only yeah that they could get shaved back.
0: back right okay but so there were five votes for this. When do we ever know that? In other words, like, let's say there were six Let's say Roberts. There were six votes, and you were like, "I could really make a difference." You know, I I I could really uh, have an effect here. Then it's like, oh well, you gotta. I, honestly, this is, sounds so gruesome and crazy, but you know, uh, you got to kill two of them. So that's really not not going to work. You know, there are five. Okay, you know there are five and. Is it crazy? I mean, it's it's evil, it's barbaric, and it's monstrous, but it's not crazy, because you actually have this is again not like storming Comet Pizza where there aren't children locked in the basement and you know as part of a pedophile ring being given a, a, a adrenochrome like that's that wasn't happening. A Supreme Court opinion is about to be delivered on the hot button issue of the last half century. And any one individual could throw a wrench in the gear, you know, throw, throw a wrench in the gears in a really horrible way. I just don't then, know that that's crazy.
2: But then is it not crazy to have bombed abortion clinics? Right. Yes. I mean, or, it is or, crazy. Or
3: shot oh, up mean- a baseball field full of Republicans, with the assumption that this somehow changes the course of history. I mean, if well, no, 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 but, back- no, no, no.
1: <inaudible-> that's my politically point. motivated assassination um, attempts versus just like someone who's literally diagnosably mentally ill, just slaughtering people randomly. I mean, th- th- these are should better be called assassinations.
0: Right. Um, but what but- I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, when you mention the, when you mention the uh, shooting up the, the basketball, you know, the baseball game. There are four hundred and thirty-five members of Congress. Let's say uh, that this, you know, leftist uh, killer, uh, would-be killer, you know, had killed ten of them, wouldn't? Would not have made a significant difference. Actually, even there, one Supreme Court justice here, and the entire thing is thrown into chaos. I'm not suggesting. I mean, it's this is like, I can't even believe I'm going here. I'm just saying that. We play a lot of... There's a lot of cosplaying. Oh, there's a threat to our democracy. This is a... Even that stuff is cosplay. This really is a threat to the good working order of the United States Constitution and the separation of powers and the balance of powers. To leak internal information that puts a target on the back of five people, literally puts... You're right that at best, unless this was some haphazard leak of the sort that Adam White talked about on our show... The other day, that it was like somebody left around their house, and their roommate got a copy of it. Uh,
3: but whoever the roommate right? is had an intention behind it too. There's an ideological well, right. motive come no out. Right. What. But what I'm
0: saying is, yeah, they wanted to menace, or they want, in other words, bringing the court of public opinion into it does implicitly involve menace. But I'm saying this goes beyond menace. Now, again, I think once you know that the threat is there and the threat is real you can mitigate the threat very, you know, very easily. Well, they, they um,
1: tomorrow the fences are up because tomorrow has been announced as a day of action for abortion rights in a couple of cities. You know, obviously, Washington, D.C. being one of the main cities. So they're worried about people, you know, getting too close to the to the court. And so they've put up the fencing, put up the barricades because they're expecting protesters. So we'll see how it goes tomorrow. There have been protesters kind of out there off and on all week. Something getting a little aggressive, but so far it hasn't been anything like uh, what we saw a few summers ago with post George Floyd
3: and CNN is reporting that and this is, this is easy to dunk on and I think it deserves to be dunked on. Um, but CNN is reporting, uh, it, you know, with the backdrop of this fencing around the Supreme Court that law enforcement is is closely monitoring social media chatter that suggests there's potential violence from the far right, of course, against abortion <laughs> clinics, abortion clinic staff members and even members of the judiciary, logically. That doesn't really track what. Um, no, yeah, I know. Yeah. But nevertheless, <laughs> it's entirely possible that that's okay. It nuts. can only
1: be, it can only come, the violence can only come from the right wing. It can never come of course. from the left. But there um, are nuts
3: who can be animated to do crazy, terrible things because they're crazy and terrible things.
0: And that's just that what is, they want to do. Well, that is absolutely correct and fine. So, as I say, once you once you know that a threat is there, and it's actually quite specific and you know where to look and you know um <clears throat> it's not that hard to prevent the action i mean it's a it's a difficult it poses a great difficulty like if you're under i think i told this story that you know michael mccasy the who was the attorney general under you know under president uh, second president bush uh michael uh had a house, uh, a vacation house on the same street as my parents. And he was the judge in the 1993 World Trade Center bombing and, and, you know, convicted the blind sheik. I mean, he didn't convict the blind sheik, but, you know, he was the judge who presided over the conviction of the blind sheik. And a fatwa was placed on his head and that of his family. And Michael spent 15 years under 24-7, 365 guard, and uh, you know he wasn't going to get killed with that kind of Secret Service coverage, but you know his life was horribly restricted. Now, uh, so I'm just saying, like you can you can blanket someone, you can cover somebody in this way to make sure that something terrible doesn't happen. But the very fact that that's what's apparently going to happen is itself a very sobering fact that goes back to Abe's <coughs> weird feeling that something. There, there's some some feeling abroad in the country that suggests that whatever upheaval we've seen in the last six years, you know, uh, Trump's the riot, you know, the stuff around Trump's election, two impeachments, uh, you know, Charlottesville, George Floyd, the destruction of the downtown of Seattle, Portland. I don't know, 10,000 other things that we ain't seen, that we ain't seen nothing yet. That's that, that, that it just doesn't. It, and of course, everything that happened during the pandemic that there's something that it's a weird feeling. Uh, I, that's not, you know, normative. I mean, it's not, there's no, there's no fact pattern that suggests this, but I, you, you, there's something there.
2: I hope not, but yeah, I mean, I mean, there's yeah, well, obviously, yeah. It, it's 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 what happened. I mean, I think it was that I I sort of have have detected this critical mass in people on both sides of the ideological spectrum who um, just don't believe in real things, and I think that has just let loose um, too much reckless rage okay um, so you've
0: got the people who don't believe in real things and then you have as as uh as somebody says of the joker in the dark knight movie right just some people just want to see the world burn and on either side <laughs> there are these arsonists who want to see the world burn you know conservatives who want to own the libs libs who want to destroy the conservatives whatever and they're there you can see a sort of unholy blending of the yeah. two <laughs> they become each other right well I mean, no I they become
3: each other but chelsea yeah. manning's you know uh becoming a, a prepper militia type to
2: own the conservatives right. but no but was, a bridge yeah. is being erected between them i mean they they are they are coming together in certain pockets in ways that non-radical liberals and conservatives could never agree on because it's it's very hard to form a uh a, 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 a bipartisan coalition to do something positive much easier to reach out to someone with whom you have almost nothing in common for the thrill of destroying something you both hate and 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 they have that advantage
0: right now i I pointed out the other day that um that the casey decision that did not overturn roe uh uh led to a crisis of conscience or a, or a sense of extreme alienation among certain intellectual pro-lifers that led to this notorious symposium published in first things in 1996 that questioned the legitimacy of the American regime because it was now <coughs> a regime that sanctioned in their view sanctioned murder uh, the murder of the unborn and here's here's and we now see this kind of logic in reverse right that we have this illegitimate regime that is now sanctioning the removal of, of rights of fundamental rights um, from women, immiserating them and pray, you know um, uh, uh, imprisoning them, uh, you know, uh, in, in, not giving them control over their own bodies and all of that. And they're also talking, you know, delegitimization, right? But here's the the difference was when first things did this, um there was a gigantic backlash among other conservatives, neoconservatives in part, but others, Gertrude Himmelfarb, who left the First Things board over this symposium, who said, you can't talk about America this way. It's not illegitimate. This is not, this is the country, this this is this country is not illegitimate and just, and yes, I mean, you can feel however you wanna feel about some an injustice that is happening. But you cannot, you know, you cannot in all conscience withdraw your support for the legitimacy of the American regime. First of all, what replaces it in your view that is legitimate? And second of all, you know, that is that that way lies nihilism. Yeah. I mean, bad things happen everywhere. And, you know, a man has fallen and you can't, you can't expect that things are going to go your way. Um, I'm not seeing very much of that attitude. Expressed toward the delegitimizers on the left, where are the moderate liberals who are saying, don't talk this way? How dare you talk this way about this country? How dare you say that just because a Supreme Court decision doesn't go the way that you want it to, that you're withdrawing your support for the legitimacy of the American, you know, of, of the American political experiment. Now, maybe it's early, it's a couple of days. I don't know but I, I but i i'm pretty sure that um you know had there been twitter in 1996 there would have been the 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 blowback against the first things attitude would have been instantaneous and i'm not seeing any blowback what's more uh peter Ducey asked jen saki at the white house yesterday does the president think it's okay for people to be publishing supreme court justices addresses so that people can go to their houses is that good and her answer was there's a lot of passion on this really a lot of how, how is it not a gimme to say the president is very concerned about this and wants everybody to chill out like how well wh- wouldn't that be the normal like wouldn't that be the thing that you would expect a moderate Unless to say? You didn't and, want
3: people to chill out Unless right. you thought you needed people to do the exact opposite in order to generate some sort of traction, any traction you whatsoever from your very disaffected base of voters, this
0: is their way out. I, 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 I agree with you, but I'm still saying that you know he you could still have that without the president having somehow
3: only if you to express
0: some weird some weird partial sort of voce support for putting pressure on Supreme Court justices to change their votes. Uh, might I
3: submit that you're assuming far more cleverness on the part of the people you're talking about than they regularly evince?
0: Well, that's the, now we're back to last week's, are they stupid or are they dumb or are they an intelligent argument or are they fools? They're scared.
2: Um, Above all, they're scared. I mean, the, the liberals were scared of the radical leftists before this leak. Um, in the face of this renewed excitation and passion, they are, they are more, they are more afraid to say the wrong thing and then have, you know, AOC write a nasty tweet about Nancy Pelosi or something. I mean, again, we're in this world
0: in which we spent, you know, a couple of years talking about how, uh, you know, for upper middle class, you know, people, (laughs) words are violence. Words are violence, you know, people are threatened by Tom Cotton's op-ed, it makes them feel unsafe at the New York Times and all that. So words, opinions are violence. And here we have actual, seems to be implicit encouragement of some kind of violence. I mean, we don't know what kind. And that's, that's real, not, not theoretical, and not, and, and, and as Christine, as we began, uh, where's the coverage of that? Why isn't that the headline? Why isn't the headline Supreme Court justices require FBI protection or, you know, or court, you know, court throwing up barricades uh, because uh, people are, you know, threatening violence or whatever. But
3: this is not new. I'm just sorry, I'm interrupting briefly, but this is not new. <clears throat> we saw a lot of this. I wrote about a whole chapter on this in my first book uh, on the, you know, the emerging philosophy that confuses speech with violence and violence with speech and maybe one of the earliest uh, expressions of this from particularly from the left only for the left in fact in the United States was uh, after the um, assassination of cartoonists at Charlie Hebdo they, they were they were murdered and that was bad but you could kind of understand why their killers were aggravated and how they kind of they were asking for it in a certain way. And that's why we need you know, more responsible speech and, and protections for speech, particularly hate speech. And this is the, so you saw this from people like, I'm not, you're not talking about just commentators, but you saw it from them too. But like uh, John Kerry, who was the secretary of the state at, state at the time, just sort of equivocating about this because these were fighting words. And it's sort of to, there's a certain amount of condescension that you have to have for your subjects when you say, well, of course they were all head up because you antagonized them. So they had to murder you. Um, But that's what they think of their base voters, that they're just kind of children to be led and very easily agitated.
0: And in fact, what they are is, you know, citizens in a self-governing, you know, in a self-governing system. And uh, if you want to understand our self-governing system better and how uh, American prosperity depends on the genius of the system, As well as a connection to the most profound eternal questions, you should go get David Bonson's book, There's No Free Lunch, 250 Economic Truths, daily primer uh, on uh, economic ideas and economic theories ballasted by great quotes and pithy descriptions of most of the prevailing economic theories that, that we know about, but this is a a larger subject than that. and it very much connects to what we're talking about here because, uh, this is America is an express is is an experiment in ordered Liberty. Uh, and, uh, that is what has led to our, our, the flourishing, the human flourishing in the United States and, uh, the uh, free markets, uh, that we enjoy uh we enjoy in part because of ideas that uh arise from great thinkers and from an understanding of the role of religion in our lives so that is david bonson's b-a-h-n-s-e-n his book there's no free lunch 250 economic truths please get it at barnes and noble amazon or wherever you get your books um so uh Yesterday, I think it was yesterday, we talked about this uh, leak in the New York Times about how American intelligence was supplying Ukrainians with information that was helping them assassinate Russian generals. And we had some conversation about how this was bad, it shouldn't be happening. Uh, and I speculated on the basis of absolutely nothing that I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe we want this out because you know, or the 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 administration wants it out. It's part of psychological warfare against Putin. Well, I think we can probably discard that theory unless they're really playing games. Because a second leak came out uh, yesterday that we basically helped them uh, target and blow up the Russian uh, ship uh, in the in the Sea of Azor, Azov. Excuse me. And um, uh, that's two leaks in two days. And Pentagon spokesman John Kirby denounced the leaks this morning, I believe. And so uh, I think we can probably be pretty sure that they are not authorized. And that, in fact, somebody is doing us some damage here and doing our – and I'm just trying to figure out why. I have no idea why but it's
3: incredibly reckless and extremely dangerous and i don't know the justification for publishing this stuff um public interest i guess but should be trumped by national security concerns which are supremely urgent um one of the reasons why we've been ramping up our support for ukraine in, in heavy weapons and in information sharing All the stuff they were asking for in early March that we couldn't give them because we were hemming and hawing over it and exploring legal theories around it to make sure we wouldn't become a co-belligerent. But one of the reasons we're doing that, I I posit in a a commentary piece recently, is that they just lack the capability. Moscow lacks the capability to operate fixed-wing aircraft over western Ukraine and interdict these shipments violently. Um, So we have kind of a free hand and we've been playing it. Uh, But when we demonstrate that we, we are using our assets to materially degrade Russian capacity uh, semi-directly uh, by providing intelligence <clears throat> with our own assets that are over over the water, for example, and they can't reach us. They're not without options. They're not without cards to play. They're just extremely escalatory. I'm not talking about the use of an unconventional weapon, which is where everybody's mind goes, but cyber attacks, for example. That's your, that's your first and last resort in a situation like this. The United States is demonstrably a co-belligerent in this conflict, and... What else is Russia to do sit around and wait for its capital ships to just become co- artificial coral reefs? They have to do something.
0: yeah um, so there was a point at which obviously the Pentagon was at odds with uh, the State Department and the National Security Council in the early going about how much involvement we should have. Pentagon was skeptical, tried you know prevented the Prevented the uh, plane transfer, and you know, there's the whole scene and about uh, uh, Poland uh, transshipping things through us, and we weren't going to allow that to happen because we didn't need to be more involved. So I think we can presume skepticism on the part of some people, or you know, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, certainly in the early going. Whether they still maintain that kind of skepticism or fear or a desire to keep a distance from. The conflict, we just we just don't know. It's now two months later, and a lot of things have changed, and their opinions may have changed. Uh, I just I can't for the life of me figure out who benefits here, uh, unless it's just a classic loudmouth problem. You know, the loud, the leaker, the loudmouth leaker, the guy who just can't keep it to himself because he knows something and he's gotta tell somebody and then he gets a thrill up his leg when he sees it on the front page of the new york times like, might like occam's razor. huh? Incom- yeah.
2: incompetence i mean what what about that
3: right that's hanlon's razor so what which razor are we going with hanlon's <laughs> or occam's either way they're both applicable so which one which
0: one will advertise on on the commentary <laughs> podcast that's really the question harry's Harry, not anymore so don't mention harry's boo harry's boo I'm disrupting their business now by booing them. Okay. okay. Anyway. body um, wash. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, uh, anyway, uh, but you know, I do want to talk about another person, another place that does advertise with us very loyally and I'm grateful to them. And also I'm grateful because I'm sitting in one of their chairs right now. That's the ex chair, of course, what a real office chair is supposed to feel like you Will you will look forward to sitting in your office chair if you get yourself an X chair because like it can give you a massage while you're working. It can heat you up or cool you down with its patented LMAX. It's actually not patented, I'm sorry. LMAX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed for the X chair. But what is patented is the dynamic variable lumbar. That's the back support, which you can set the placement of and that uh, will give you a kind of comfort in in an office chair you've never had before. High performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort. These are all the reasons to love your X chair Take my advice. Try X chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you'll never go back. Go to xchaircommentary.com. Now that's the letter X, the word chair. Commentary.com or call one 844 4 x chair for $100 off your order. X Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Xchaircommentary.com. Okay. Uh I now I'm I want to talk about one last thing, and I need to specify that I have a personal interest in this matter. The um uh, Tikva fund, uh, whose uh, chairman is now my brother-in-law, Elliot Abrams, but uh, which was uh, under the under the leadership and management of Roger Hertog for many years, Roger Hertog, a very important uh, donor and friend and former board member at Commentary, this was this is his baby, this is his project, the Jewish Leadership Conference, uh, which is either in its third or its fourth year, and uh, the new one is coming up on in June. I'm slated to speak there among many other people, uh, and it was to be held at the Museum of Jewish Heritage, which is a Holocaust Memorial site in New York City, um, which you can rent out for events. And I've spoken at several events at the Museum of Jewish Heritage for Jewish groups. And this is, uh, and the, so it was all set and uh, the Jewish Leadership Conference asked uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida to speak and DeSantis accepted at which point the management or the leadership or the museum leadership at the museum of Jewish heritage told the Jewish leadership fund that they, the event could not take place at the museum of Jewish heritage. If Ron DeSantis were present, what, how is this possible? Uh, Andrew Cuomo spoke there many times. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez spoke there in 2018. There were protests, uh, to the board of the museum of jewish heritage at the time because alexander ocasio-cortez had, of course expressed uh, deep skepticism about the state of israel and this was not this was not a matter of comfort and yet they let the event go ahead um but the tikva fund has was basically told that there was no room at the museum of jewish heritage for the museum of jewish heritage to rent out space to a third party to host a conference at which Ron DeSantis would speak. It had not invited Ron DeSantis himself. It was a rental of the facility to a third party, and yet they would not allow it to go forward. The conference is going forward. It will be uh, at Chelsea Piers in New York City. I encourage everybody to to look up the Jewish Leadership Conference and come, come attend. It's a pretty great event. And... Um, Let's talk about what we think this means in, 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 in the larger context, because this is another example of this bizarre phenomenon where it is now apparently, okay, it is now okay to treat people with whom you may be at ideological odds as though they are illegitimate and should not be permitted to stand at your venue. We're talking about Ron DeSantis, the Wall Street Journal, which published a piece by Elliot and, um, and Eric Cohen today, <laughs> uh or yesterday afternoon about this matter found a picture of DeSantis uh at the shul in uh as it's called it's a Chabad uh you know it's a it's a it's a Chabad synagogue in I believe Bal Harbor um, surrounded by Hasidim giving a speech so he's fine with them but apparently not fine with the staff or the management of the Museum of Jewish Heritage, whose board, by the way, includes Republicans, my dear friend, George Klein, um, uh, my f- donors to commentary, George Klein, Peter Calico, uh, some others, uh, Ingeborg Rennert, uh, and yet here we are uh, with this having, having happened.
1: So it's, I have a couple of, uh, I have a couple of personal interests in this one. I'm also, I have, I've been fortunate enough to teach some classes for Tikva, which is great. I'm doing another one this summer for them. Um, it's a wonderful organization. Uh, one of the things that sparked the interest in having DeSantis come speak in the first place was this excellent essay that Tamara Barons published in Mosaic Magazine, which explored how Jews have embraced Florida and Florida has returned the affection in kind. It's a wonderful exploration. She's, she's actually born in, in the UK and she would spend time in Florida with her parents as a child. And she was just sort of, she, she approached this question of, of the Jewish community in Florida from an outsider's perspective, but because she's Jewish also this, this sort of interesting understanding of, of um, acceptance and tolerance and just, it's a wonderful essay. And I encourage everyone to read it at Mosaic Magazine. But what she found is that, look, DeSantis actually embraced this idea of like, yeah, this is a place where religious freedom should flourish. This is a place where we have a lot of different communities. And as governor, I have to represent the interests of all, of all of my voters. And, and it's a kind of uh, wonderful sort of free speech, free expression, freedom of religion uh, example that the rest of the country could surely learn from, even if they don't always, disagree, always agree with the Uh, particulars of Ron DeSantis's politics. So it was an opportunity for people in New York to come hear about this experiment, hear directly from Ron DeSantis what he thinks it's about, to hear from Jewish leaders about what they think is about. It's exactly what this country should be uh, embracing right now. But instead, it's become petty, polarized politicking on the part of, you know, whatever liberal special interests at this particular uh, venue have decided to to throw their weight around and and, uh, condemn. So it's really, it's a huge missed opportunity for them. Um, But luckily, everyone in New York can come just hear him talk elsewhere.
3: (laughs) That's exactly right. It's not just another example of the coarsening of our political culture and maximum political conflict among people who are steeped in this sort of thing. But it's yet another example of an institution sacrificing its role, expanding beyond its remit, because the person in charge of it doesn't believe that the grand historic mission with which he's charged, Holocaust Remembrance, is important enough in this moment. This is a very historic moment. The fate of democracy is at stake ad infinitum in perpetuity. So you have to be a liberal pressure group, not just a Holocaust Museum Remembrance, but a generic liberal pack. Because to do anything less is to sacrifice and abdicate your role in this great historic moment.
0: Okay, but l- listen, it's very simple. Jack Klieger, who is the president and CEO of the Museum of Jewish Heritage, is a left-winger. Started, he worked at the Village Voice, he worked for Condé Nast, you know, he he was basically the chief ad salesman of Condé Nast, uh, Glamour, uh, GQ, uh, And, uh, you know, made a lot of money, uh, helped, worked at uh, Shet Filippacci, and, you know, was head of the magazine Publishers of America. And, uh, basically, he's the guy who decided, he must have been the guy who decided uh, that uh, this was not not kosher. It's a disgrace. He's a disgrace. Uh, It is shocking and disgusting. Ron DeSantis has been nothing but a friend to the Jewish people. And he's not a Democrat and people don't like his stances on gay marriage and whoever, however, whatever calculus was made that said he is not welcome to cross, you know, to be, to be within our premises at an event that we're not even sponsoring. I mean, that would be inappropriate for almost anybody to do about any American citizen anywhere to say, I don't want him crossing my portal.
2: And uh, in, yeah, w- when asked about this, uh, mu- what did the museum say in response? We don't do politics. This is doing politics, allowing a public figure to speak a public f- to speak at an event. That's not your event. That's not doing politics. That's staying out of politics. This is diving right into the heart of politics.
0: Anyway, anyway, he's full of shit because because politicians speak there all the time it's garbage it's nonsense they should be ashamed of themselves and they're not ashamed of themselves because they are they have joined in this notion i mean i think noah's peroration was 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 very apt that you know they're not staying in their lane they're doing they're doing their own thing or how they're doing it and they're making some calculation that they uh that you know uh the people who are most important to them Either would have been so angry about this that it would have cost them something, or will support them if people like us uh, complain about it. And uh, we'll, you know, that, that the proof of the pudding is in the eating. We'll see. We'll see what they say. If they want to start promulgating a policy that says that no politician is allowed to speak at the Museum of Jewish Heritage, they are free. They can go right ahead. This could be this could be case one. The second that a Democrat opens his mouth on a stage there, there is going to be know i mean there's not going to be hell to pay because all there is is going to be like the the wagging finger of hypocrisy is going to be thrust thrust in their faces but i would not be so sure if i were the museum of jewish heritage that some of the people who are important to them will not be deeply offended by this i mean i mentioned george klein uh ingeborg rennert uh you know peter calico a bunch of other people um, who I'm sure are very who who are likely very admiring of DeSantis and do not want the you know politics that they support to be treated as though as though those ideas are pariah ideas.
1: Well, and, and, and in a broader political sense, anathematizing Ron DeSantis in this way right now is exactly the mistake that people have been making at the, at the state level at Florida and the media has been making with DeSantis since they needed a new Trump 2.0 villain to fuel their cable news ratings. It backfires on them because when people actually listen to DeSantis speak, he doesn't seem to fit the villain stereotype that they, that they're promulgating. So this idea that he's just so far beyond the pale, that he can't a, a sitting governor of one of the largest states in the country cannot he's so far beyond the pale that, that this institution cannot possibly host him in good conscience is ridiculous. Yeah, he and got, four, he got four
0: point, yeah he got 4.1 million votes in 2018. How many votes has Jack Klieger gotten? you know except for you know sucking up to Balenciaga? or whoever or whatever fashion
1: this idea that you fashion
0: advertisers that he licked the insides of the feet of to get their checks
1: well the idea that you have to love every single stance a politician takes in order to you know allow that politician to open his or her mouth in a public forum or on a stage is ridiculous i mean there are a lot, plenty of politicians who people vote for and hold their nose for some of the things some of the issues that they they would rather this politician take a different position on that's how politics works you know we have these binary choices particularly in presidential elections and that's the way it goes so the the, the polarization actually makes it very strange times for people who want to say you know uh, he seems like. Like an okay guy. I don't really like all the culture warring stuff he's done, but on Israel, he's good. Let's go hear what he has to say. No, they can't do that anymore. It has to be you're with him or you're against him. He's my enemy or he's my ally.
0: Yeah. I, I think Florida is now the third largest state in the union. I, I mean, that's correct? Yeah. okay, well, you know, great. So uh, I, I hope they pay. I hope they pay for it. I hope, I hope they're, I hope, uh, I hope donors uh, uh, who are listening to to my voice, know that they should give money to somebody else, like commentary. Five hundred one C three. We can use all the help that we can get. Uh, anyway, look up the Jewish Leadership Conference. Um, c- come attend, say hello. Tell tell them tell me that uh, come up to me and tell me that uh, you came because you heard you heard uh, you heard the 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 pitch here. And uh, and I will give you a secret handshake. Uh, and I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. I hope my colleagues here have a wonderful weekend, and I hope that the New York Mets continue to dominate the baseball, which is itself another unprecedented Okay, time, also happy Mother's Day
1: to all the mothers listening.
0: You're baseball not supposed to say happy. Good. You're not supposed to give yourself a happy no, Mother's Day. I'm not saying Day.
1: it for myself. My kids will take care of me. I'm talking to all, the, all of our mothers who listen.
0: Thank we you. Have yes, happy, we have a lot of listeners who are a very, A very happy Mother's Day. Mother's. Yes. Good luck, dads. That's right. Just, just don't, don't do anything stupid. That's all I can say. Just don't do anything stupid. For Abe, Christina, and I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning.